Welcome to the Equest podcast. This is a special edition. Conversations with and for the Irish authorized funds industry with your host, Daniel Lawler. This episode specifically is inspired by Funds Ireland Minicon, a virtual conference taking place week commencing the 2nd of November 2020 and for the funds industry. CP86, the final chapter, transforming challenge into best practice. RSVP over at www.fundsirelandminicon.com. Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the Equest podcast with me, Danny Lawler. If you're new to the Equest podcast, do hit the subscribe button on your preferred podcast provider so that you are kept up to date as and when new podcasts drop from Equest. So this is part of our Funds Ireland Minicon series, which is taking place, the Funds Ireland Minicon on CP86, first week of November. If you haven't yet registered, my God, get on it, guys. It's uh, free to do so. You check out fundsirelandminicon.com, hit the RSVP button, enter a couple of details, and you're in. Get yourself also a wonderful digital goodie bag. For this episode of the Equest Podcast, I'm chatting with Michael Tui, who is uh, in the Dublin office of Mazars, and Arno Barossi, who is in Luxembourg, also with Mazars. And I guess the topic for this is interesting. It's what happens when things go wrong. So a bit like people don't really want to talk about death and wills, people don't really want to talk about what happens if you have a breach or you have an issue in uh, uh, particularly a funds manco. What happens from the regulator's perspective and how do you manage that process so that you're trying to get out the other side with your life intact? So the guys from Mazars are joining us. They're going to run the session on the Thursday, 5th of November, about what happens when things go wrong. And for this podcast, then, we're just talking about what people can expect from that session. So we talk a bit about risk mitigation programs, how they are becoming a more normal part of the supervisory process and the the life experience of anybody in the regulated industry. So no need to fall apart if you get one, but you want to manage the process. If you, don't, if you kind of stumble there, you can find yourself being asked to produce an independent experts report, which the central bank would require firms to do, hire an independent firm to perform this assessment. So we talk a bit about that. And in the session on the 5th of November, we're also going to have Maureen Reedy from Dylan Usage. She's going to talk about the administrative sanctions procedures, the kind of do's and don'ts, that the things that firms who get through that process well, if that's the right word, uh, the things that they do and how they approach it so that you can learn from that. And if you end up in that position or, or uh, see it happening, that you have an idea of how to manage the process. So that's the topics. That's what we're going to cover in this podcast of the, uh, uh, this episode of the Quest podcast, even. Hope you enjoy it. As I said, if you aren't already registered, get onto fundsartaminicon.com and put your name in the hat for the CP86 Minicon. Right, on with the show. Hello, Michael and Arno. Very welcome to the Equest podcast. Great to have you guys here. Good morning. Morning, Danny. Thanks for having us on. Well, um, I said, great to have you. We know that one of the sessions that we're looking at at the CP86 Funds Ireland Minicon is all around what happens when things go wrong. I guess it's the kind of topic you hope you never have to get too deep into, but can land at your doorstep by hook or by crook. Uh, so very interesting to cover it in CB86 Minicon and give people an idea for at least where they start should they find themselves in this situation. So Michael, what is it that uh, at the session you're hoping people 
who attend will, will get from it? How, how are you going to make them better people? <laughs> Thanks, Sally. Look, I think, I think from my point of view, I'm hoping those listening in will get a view, I think, really into some of the matters that we're certainly seeing in relation to addressing RMPs that obviously we don't want anyone to have to deal with, but, but uh, there is you know, a, a likelihood that down the road they will have to deal with it at a, at a point in time. You know, it, it is relatively new ground for the asset management sector, obviously specifically so in Ireland. And I suppose that's why we're delighted to have Arno on the line. He was a director in our asset management advisory practice in Luxembourg. Um, just from my conversations with Arno to date, I think the CCF and Lux are probably a tad ahead of, of the CBI in terms of the quantum of, of, of reviews. Um, they don't call it R&B programs, but they call it... Um, Letters of observation. So I suppose having his perspective from a Lux point of view would be would be interesting as well. So I suppose that's that's probably the main points that that we're certainly going to be focusing on uh, during the during the minicon series. Uh, great and always great to get that perspective from abroad, particularly our, our friends in, in Luxembourg. We're always really interested to know what uh, what, what those guys are up to. So uh, very useful to get that input. And you're right when it comes to risk mitigation programs. I guess. If you are in a firm, a manco, and, and there's a breach or an issue of some uh, some description, it's the RMP that tends to be the first uh, port yeah. or the regulator, the first thing that you'll see. And they are getting more prevalent. Like, I mean, it is more normal to see a, a firm, a manco, an asset management firm, get a risk mitigation program. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, I think, you know, it's, um, it's probably a fair assessment to make. Like, you know, albeit that it is a relatively new concept for the asset management community, but we've definitely seen... Uh, more RMPs been issued to Mancos within the last 18 months. Um, I suppose we can't lose sight of the fact that, you know, this has been there for a very long time in the wider regulatory environment in terms of the banking and insurance uh, sector. So um, the CBI are certainly well versed on the RMP process and I'm sure they'll be talking to their colleagues in banking and insurance. So I suppose in their eyes, I'm sure they already have a preconceived concept of how they perceive mancos should be managed and, and how they should address any RMPs that are, are going to be issued uh, to them. Um, yeah. So I suppose it, it, is, it is going to be more and more prevalent. Yeah, and I think from my perspective, Michael, that's right. I think that risk mitigation program is a fairly normal tool that supervisors use in other sectors, whether it's banks. Yeah. And you're, I think using it and seeing it more in the asset management industry is maybe just more a sign of the maturity of the industry and maybe the maturity of the regulator's approach to the industry rather than a sign that there's more going wrong with asset management firms than there was in the past. How are things in yeah. Luxembourg, Arno? Is, you, know, you have these letters of observation. Are they yeah. kind of normal enough for, for firms to get them after an on-site inspection? Is it, is it a fairly well-worn path in, in supervision in, in, in Luxembourg? So the point on the Luxembourg point of view, um, especially since the issuance of the ESMA opinion back in 2017, where the ESMA clearly said for national authorities to, to do some further supervision on, on asset manager, then CSF issued uh, a new circular back in 2018, which clearly sets what they do expect in terms of substance oversight uh, management bodies duties. And therefore, since I would say four or five years, uh, from a Luxembourg point of view, CSSF first hired uh, significantly people from the industry to on the on-site inspection side for to supervise and do some on-site inspection to um, asset manager. And again, one of the outcomes is they do have a, a clear life cycle how to run an on-site inspection. And you have the outcome is to receive 
what we call in Luxembourg the letter of observation, where based on the subject on the on-site supervision, CSSF do address some observation, uh, which can be significant and do expect from a specific timeline to get a response. And one of the key elements is to have a proper remission plan. The point is maybe some actors or, or, or market players sometimes do not um, understand the impact that could be to answer to this type of letter and have a proper remediation that could be supervised and should be supervised by especially the board to make sure that uh, you uh, clearly implement what CSFS, CSF expects. Yeah, absolutely. And you make a great point there about ESMA because we're certainly seeing of the two things that's on ESMA's mandate that really affect us, which is completion of the single rule book and, and then supervisory convergence. The single rule book work is, you know, the, they've gone a long way down that path post right and there is really a focus on supervisory conversion. So you can see and anticipate that, um, like things like the ESMA Brexit opinions, but then how they look at how regulators supervise. So it's probably, it's probably across the, the, the union that you're seeing supervisory teams in regulators being beefed up and more expected of how regulators interact with the supervised, supervised firms. And Michael, I guess we probably look a bit at uh, the, the practicalities of a risk mitigation program and the steps involved and, and how it works when you have an engagement with the regulator during the session at Minicon? Yeah, we will. Uh, I suppose like it's, it's, it's important to take it in context. I mean, uh, for, for other industries, the, the, I wouldn't say it's business as usual, but it's not a very strange concept to have uh, an ORMP coming out of, out of a PRISM review or a number of ORMPs. I think the, I think the tone of the letter from the, from the CBI is important as well. And, and so is obviously the, the nature of those specific ORMPs. Uh, you know, we're clear it's, it's ORMPs, it's, it's not, we're not going down the road of sanctions or anything like that at a point in time, but certainly uh, it's vitally important that they are addressed um, adequately because obviously, you know, I know Mirren is doing a session on, on, um, on enforcement and the sanctioning process, but obviously the, the manner in which a, a manco will deal with an ORMP is, is a very important uh, point that needs to be addressed. Absolutely, um, and as you say, Michael, there are there are easier ORMPs and harder ORMPs. Yeah. Like on our side, when we work with, with clients, if they're getting ready for an engagement, we're, we're kind of saying, well, you probably get one, but what you want to make sure is that you're prepped and you do your best so that you get one that's more straightforward and uh, easier to comply with rather than one that um, is going to really take you to the pin to, in terms of expenses and time and effort to, to get the RMP sorted. Because you don't want to... You don't want to do a poor job on on um, on addressing your risk mitigation program. Yeah, no, no, exactly. Um, and I suppose you know you've seen our, to, to avoid situations where you have an ORMP, you've 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 sought to address it, you've responded to the CBI, and you know it follows on with an additional ORMP because you haven't appropriately addressed the first one. So that is that is an issue, and it probably brings you to greater problems uh, down the road. But I suppose that the ORMP process from the central bank's point is. Is, uh, is, is really tried and trusted. Um, you know, they, they, they're looking at risks at a medium to high range. They, they, they suppose they construct an action to address or reduce the risk and an ORMP is given a deadline, uh, which, which varies. I think that the longest ORMP deadline I've seen is 12 months, somewhere, somewhere three months, probably six months is, is the average. Um, those ORMPs are, they're sent to the firms, they're required to provide the CBI then with appropriate information to allow the CBI to make that assessment that it has been addressed. Um, and obviously, if the, if the ORMP has been addressed, it's, the action is closed.
But as I said earlier, if it's not addressed, you're getting into a further RMP. And I suppose that brings you additional potential problems down the line in terms of, uh, you know, those in independent experts report uh, and, you know, additional costs and additional time on the part yeah. of the manco potentially. Absolutely. And um, I think we're going to touch on independent expert reports. Too. Yeah. But, but Arno, on your side of the fence, in Luxembourg, do you find something similar that the letters of observation have, there are degrees by which they are, are pushing it, pushy on firms? Like you, you might have seen where the observations are pretty straightforward to, to address. There's others, you know, they're, they're quite hard. We do not see in this type of letter, let's say, um, let's say a risk management process in light of what CSF expects or in light of the observations they do mention. Um, maybe the wordings that can be used in some letter can lead to understand that CSSF expects really um, a clear remediation within a, a short time frame to, and make, should make understand to the, the investment manager who do receive the letter that within a time period, they should clearly um, provide the relevant resources to, to, to be compliant with a specific regulation. But no, the letter do not, uh, within the letter, you do not have really a, a set of, of, of high, high, medium or low risk. But if you read the, the document itself and the overall outcome, you may understand that uh, it could be significant in, in light of Luxembourg regulatory authorities. By the way, uh, some market players received outside of, of the observation letter, a cover letter where now and since uh, two or three years, where CSF said, by the way, in light of our on-site inspection that occurred uh, six months ago, um, and based on our outcome, uh, we believe that we may find, find your organization in light of this law, and they can provide already uh, kind of amount, uh, and can be based also on what the, the, the investment manager in, in the response and the remission plan, whether CSF may analyze whether it will be robust enough, and mm -hmm. can lead also to be published on CSF website. So I think it's a kind of different approach. I think CSF, of course, do have a risk-based approach to analyze, let's say, the outcome and of the organization and the governance of an investment fund manager. But you cannot see it clearly within uh, this, the outcome and within this letter. Yeah, yeah, okay. And that, that's a, a, an interesting point there. So you, there might be a lot of observations, but it might lead you down to... Um, might even lead down to a fine or a, a public um, admonishment if it's published uh, on the CSSF website or something like that. I guess in Ireland, uh, Michael, the next step after a risk mitigation program, what we're starting to see emerge are, are this idea of the independent expert reports, which mm. is another topic that you're going to cover uh, at the Minicon session. Uh, yeah, uh, and we've done one or two and, and, and doing one, at, at one or two at the moment, Danny. Um, so an independent expert's report, it's, it's kind of akin to, but, but a little bit different if you look at the banking and insurance spheres to a skills person's report. We've seen the UK regulator uh, do a lot of those over the last uh, five to ten years, and, we, and we're now seeing the Irish, the Irish regulator, the Central Bank of Ireland, do more. Um, I suppose really... You know, an, an independent expert support obviously provides assurance to the stakeholders. Uh, it's obviously commissioned by the company's board, uh, but it's really looking for an independent assessment of of a specific function of the Manco's operations or, or a specific set of regulations that the Manco has to comply with. And obviously, it's assisting the board in assessing whether 
further actions are required to address uh, those issues identified. Uh, it can be a tool that the central bank use, um, and and I suppose it it can come out of a number of things. Obviously, thematic reviews at one point, but uh, but errors uh, identified, self-identified errors, uh, repeated errors. Uh, I suppose it just it just increases the. If you would put it on a barometer of concern for the CBI, it's it's just moving up and up and. The, we have seen as a tool the central bank are using is where they go out and ask uh, a manco to engage an independent firm to carry out a review of, of a specific matter. So yeah, we are seeing more and more of them being, being, being applied by the central bank. And, and you know, maybe, yeah. maybe capacity on the central bank and resources as well is, is an issue. And this is, I suppose, a, a useful tool that they have at their disposal. Well, that, that's it, isn't it, Michael? It's it's another tool in the supervisory toolkit. So if you if your your rules and guidance haven't put a firm in the right place, and the risk mitigation program hasn't, well, then yeah. Before you go to something like an admin sanction, this is kind of the, the next step to try and nudge, beat, or otherwise encourage you into the right place. And and I get well, you can set me straight here, but 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 one of the reasons you would as a firm rather not have to go through an independent expert report is that they're, they're pretty expensive. That's kind of one of the, the sticks there to, to keep uh, firms on the straight and narrow, make sure they do a good job on their risk mitigation program first time around, rather than having to go down the independent expert report route. Yeah, uh, look, yeah, they're, 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 they're absolutely, they can, they can be uh, expensive. And obviously that depends on the, on the quantum of what's required in the scope of the review, but for sure. And also then as well as the cost, it's the, it's the time that you are taking away your kind of key, you know, operations people on a day-to-day basis from, from running their their business to having to deal with um, to to this to an assessment like this. So I would have said yes, cost. It's something that you know, if mancos can avoid, they should, and also time time yeah. that eats away at their frontline staff. Yeah, costly in terms of resource yeah. time and and and, uh, and obviously then uh, expense as well. And Arno, was there something similar in in Luxembourg? Did it have this uh, ability to require experts from from outside to come in and perform an assessment yes it is in fact by the luxembourg law uh, the luxembourg regulatory authorities do have this capacity to request uh, from uh, the asset manager or let's say any financial institution to use an external expert to carry on let's say a, a dedicated let's say analysis or um, uh, with regard to a, a specific scope we have seen it in the past for banks. So far, to the best of my knowledge, I think CSF didn't use this capacity for asset manager. But of course, that's in the toolkit, as you mentioned, of the Luxembourg regulatory authorities. Yeah, and as we see more supervisory conversions, you can, you can kind of- Yeah, uh, and, and I suppose, you know, the central bank, they do, you know, it's, it isn't a case of just go, go, go and instruct a firm. Obviously the central bank want to know who that firm is, uh, their, their experience in the market to carry out such a review. And also then, you know, a big part of the, the biggest part of the project that we find is, is getting that scope of work agreed and the, and the specific testing approach. And that's something that the central bank do want to have an input into, particularly in relation to the scope. And, and you may find it takes a couple of iterations before, before that scope and, and approach is, is finalized and ready to go and all parties are, are on board with. Yeah, I, I wonder, did they view it as outsourcing what they would otherwise have done? Yeah, I, they certainly will have because they know about supervision, so they certainly haven't gone that far with a firm doing risk mitigation programs. They know what they want covered in that uh, in that uh, independent expert report. Yep, 
yeah absolutely and and you know it's suppose it's uh it's it's probably a fair assessment to make yeah for sure and then should your rmp and your independent experts report not land you in the right place then the i guess the the next protocol is the administrative sanctions procedure and um we're in really in dylan eustace is going to join that part of the session and talk through the sanctions process, uh, the kind of things that will have gone wrong to, to uh, end you up in there, and give some insight into her experience of guiding firms through this, uh, both in terms of your, your mindset to it, how you approach it, whether you fight everything to the nail or whether you are a little bit more nuanced than that, uh, how you try to manage yourself for the best outcome, the other side of it, um, and, and just how you get through a, a, an admin sanctions process in a way that... Uh, is as gives you the best best possible outcome, I guess. That's that's what's intended to cover in that last session on uh, on your day uh, in uh, Minicog. I think that's right, Michael. Yeah, that's that's right. Obviously, we're we're delighted to have Miran on board, and and she's she's far better placed than than us to talk about enforcement. Um, obviously, you know we we are doing quite a bit of work in that OMP space, uh, and you're right, it's it isn't a sanction, Danny. Uh, but certainly not dealing with it right is an aggregating factor in, in any enforcement process. And I, I know the CBI issued a guidance paper on that, on enforcement process last year. And that's one of the, the key messages they conveyed in that as well. So we're really looking forward to, to listening and hearing to what Mirren has to say in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. No, she really knows her stuff. And, and you're right. Yeah. Guidance note. The thing that I took from it was how much is expected of you just to meet the standard, let alone to get, you know, in the good books where you get a reduction on the, the sanction or, or a pairing back in the sanction. Just to get, just to meet the regulator's expectations, you really have to be open and forthcoming and, uh, in, in the information that you give and, and what have you. I, I guess in, in, in Luxembourg, um, I know you probably see something similar in terms of some, some sort of a sanctions procedure where it's, not that it's voluntary, but it's not a full court process either. Yes, it is. Yeah, it is. But just to come back to, to, to in terms of how we should advise asset manager, of course, advise them on how to, to, um, to, to get prepared about receiving this type of letter or uh, risk mitigating program and, and be sure that you have the relevant resources to provide a proper response to the regulatory authorities. What uh, I have done and I had a chance to work with different asset managers in Luxembourg is to get prepared to uh, on-site inspection. So doing, uh, we do a lot of uh, mock simulation uh, to get them prepared about, about this life cycle of, of, of an on-site inspection, uh, mainly on governance where you do cover all the subjects, uh, even uh, on simulation laundering. And that's a key element. I think uh, asset manager, but also other financial institution should get prepared about, uh, uh, about this type of event. Um, in, in the, again, in the full life cycle, because you have really some step to fulfill uh, and that's a key element. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, like what we see on our side, we, we do work with firms getting ready for them. And we give them a pretty hard time. And if they're doing a, an interview, we, we really go to town and try and make the experience as tough on them as possible so that they, they know what to expect and they perform well. And then that hopefully lands you with a, an easier risk mitigation program rather than harder. So I think we're yeah. up there. Don't want to don't want to ruin all the surprises for the <laughs> on uh, the fifth of November is the session about it's broadly titled "What Happens When Things Go Wrong." Said it's looking at these issues that, uh, from a supervisory perspective, firms hit now and again with the regulator risk mitigation programs, independent expert reports, and admin sanctions procedures. 
It's on Thursday, the 5th of November, 2 p.m. Irish time, 9 a.m. Eastern. If you're not already registered to attend the CP86 Funds Ireland Minicon, get on it, guys. Uh, check out fundsirelandminicon.com or SVP button, fill out the form, and you are in. It's free to join the uh, conference. Uh, and not only is it free to join the conference, but you get a wonderful free digital goodie bag as well with a couple of thousand euros worth of gifts and goodies in there for you to enjoy, in addition to all the wonderful content we'll be having at Funds Ireland Minicon first week of November. So listen, we catch you then at Funds Ireland Minicon. In the meantime, thanks very much for listening to the Press Podcast. You've been listening to the Equest Podcast, a special edition. Conversations inspired by Funds Ireland Minicon. RSVP at www.fundsirelandminicon.com. For more information about Equest or Daniel Lawler, visit www.equest.ie.